In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right. We had some great questions after our last episode on finding the right job about what happens if you don't want to move, you can't move for whatever reason, you're in a job that you're not loving. How do you make the position that you're in the best possible one? We had a couple of you guys ask variations of that question and... I'm here for it. I think it's going to be a great conversation. Yeah. You know, this, I'm also going to just share a little story that I had when I was working at Hogue Hospital, which is a big hospital in Orange County. I'd started the pelvic floor program. I was probably like three and a half years in. It was growing. It was getting really big and it was awesome. And because I was taking more of a leadership role in the pelvic health part, I was starting now to be more assertive with wanting to do more stuff. And I was getting really, really frustrated. And my dad, actually, I was like complaining to my dad about like, man, this is like so frustrating. And my dad said, well, what you need to make the job work for you. What are the advantages of working at this place right now? Because you're not going to quit, right? And at that point, I was not ready to quit. I was still really passionate about what I was doing. I just needed a, basically a little bit of a mindset shift into thinking about the positive things about the job and like, how can I mitigate some of the my negative feelings towards some frustrations that I was having? And I ended up staying there quite happily for a little bit more time almost like a year before I started to get really frustrated. And then it was like, okay, if I'm, am I going to do another round of that? Or have I really met my like ceiling here? Is this really how it's going to be moving forward? And I ended up switching jobs after about five years. But I think that, that that was a pivotal time for me when I was essentially seeking help from my parents, where my dad said like, well, you need to make the job work for you right now. And then we talked through how to do that. And so we are going to talk through how you can do that now, because it's not always, I mean, I think the easiest thing to say is like, oh, I'm just going to switch jobs or, or you would say to somebody, oh, what would just go ahead and, and that would be the advice that you would get, right? You would get somebody's advice saying, oh, we'll just leave. And it's like, well, it's not always that easy at all. And so I think that that is basically shit advice. And that's not necessarily the right move at the right time there. So instead of being miserable and making things worse where you are, how can you make things better? Well, and I would also say that if you just leave a position that you're not happy with, right? If, If you take that advice, that simple advice from the friend who's not really even listening, why don't you just quit? 
you're not going to be any happier at the next place. Like, I just want to be real with that. Like, if you're not really taking the time to understand why you're not feeling happy where you are, if you're not taking time to do your best in that position, the grass is not going to be greener. We always think that. But I think this is, I think, the point of what we want to say here in this podcast. And having been on both sides of it, Nicole, I think you have a really interesting perspective. You've been an employee. You've been a, I would say, like middle manager. You were technically a clinical director at an outpatient practice and growing a clinic. And you've been an employer. And so you know all three of those levels, what that's like and what each of those three places is thinking. But I can just tell you, if you don't do any of the work on yourself to figure out why you're unhappy in your current position or try to fix it, the next position is not going to be perfect. And you are never going to find a perfect position. And I think that's one of the things that we want everybody to realize. There are always going to be pros and cons of any job where you work. There's always going to be frustrations. There's always going to be Becky in accounting. Freaking Becky. Or HR or something. Whoever it is. a coworker that's just like, I seriously, I can think of a lot of coworkers that were definitely not my favorite. They chewed loudly. They. <laughs> I do have a problem with chewing. You guys, this is actually really a problem. There's a name for it. There is. It's a really long one, but it is like a, it's, it's like, like a thing. an irrational fear. Like agoraphobias have a thing about being outside. It's not a fear. It's like a bubbling up of anger. Of actual <laughs> rage. So Nicole at some point goes like, you're really holding your breath a lot when you do things. And I was like, yeah, because every time I do something, you're like, you're breathing. I was like, you are chewing so loud. This is like so bad. Chewing, breathing, anything around that. Smacking, so. slurping. God. Even right now, just thinking about it, I'm getting mad at you. <laughs> I'm not even doing anything, <laughs> yeah. guys. I don't even have a glass of wine here. Yeah. But then it's like, and he even does it with his tea, everything. And it's like, he also, you guys, like, This segment's taking a little longer than we anticipated. <laughs> swishes around his drink in his mouth before he swallows. It's like, who does that? You don't need to, like... Enjoy your beverage. Oh You're my right. Gosh. We should just just put a funnel there, and we can just pour my tea straight down my throat. It's really bad, guys. Could you please write in if you are on Team Nicole or Team Jesse with this? Okay, I am not bad here. If anybody writes in and says Team Jesse for annoying Nicole with slurping, making mouth noises, and it's breath literally noises, when you're saying that I'm going to ban you from the. <laughs> The podcast. It's literally eating, drinking, and breathing, guys. <laughs> the wrong the, way. It's... The things that she has problems with are are basically everything in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like the only thing I'm allowed to do is have a roof. I'm not. I can't eat, breathe, or drink. But at least I can have a roof, at least for the moment. All right, where were we? Because we're getting <laughs> a little off. But yeah, employees or coworkers. <laughs> Who are annoying you, right? Yes. But getting back to that, the, really the thing is, is the grass is not greener. And I think there's a lot of people in this. I love the fact that people are thinking more about their happiness at work, that they are hopefully, and we talked about this in our last podcast, choosing a position wisely and not just because of the compensation. But we also want to acknowledge that there's never going to be a perfect position. And I think there's a little bit of an attitude sometimes, especially in newer grads who don't have a ton of experience. You haven't had another job to compare this to perhaps, but thinking like, oh, my employer should make this a perfect position for me. And it's like, that is not really a fair expectation to put on any employer. Now we're going to make a position at public sanity. At least we think a ton about that. We want it to be something you love working. We've spent a lot of money redesigning the clinic and making it a bright, airy space with big rooms 
and an expanded break room and a space to sit by a fountain outside the front door. Like all of those things are things that we care about, but no employer, no matter how much effort or thought they put into it, is going to make a perfect position for you. There's always going to be frustrations and areas that could be improved. And this, I think our call to action here is don't be passive. Don't just sit back and say, I have to accept whatever it is at my job, whatever frustration that is. Like you can change that. You do make your job. And like Nicole's dad said, make your job work for you. What are the things about it that we can? So I want to go through just a couple of things with this. I think one of the biggest things is just open communication with your boss. And especially if, you, if you're at a small facility, like if you're at a huge hospital program, like there's not a whole lot that's going to change. Let's just be real. There isn't. There's like a lot of inertia. There's a lot of bureaucracy. Yeah, but I would even say that even if the change of the outcome is not realistic or would take a long time, sometimes just verbalizing something also helps so that you can see a different perspective. It might you might commiserate with your boss about, yeah, that does suck. Unfortunately, the director of the program can't do much about that one particular thing. However, I see where you're coming from. I mean, even that conversation can be really helpful in just your overall happiness and so that you don't continue to perseverate on things that aren't going to change. That's where really where I feel like there's a lot of unhappy employees out there that are perseverating on things that are just never going to change. So it's like, what in the hell are you even doing? Like, just stop. Like, that's the definition of insanity, right? It's like continuing to expect doing the same thing, complaining about the same shit, and then expecting a different outcome. That just gets annoying for everybody, so including yourself. And so that is sometimes even just having that communication with your boss, even if the outcome is not going to be any different, can be helpful. It's healthy to do that. Yep. And then the other thing that I would say about that, Nicole, I think you and I have a little bit of a difference of opinion on that. As a boss, I always want people to be comfortable bringing me problems. I think there's an old aphorism like, stop bringing me problems, bring me solutions. And it's like, as an employee, you really don't have enough information to really do a good job bringing solutions. Now, you can have thought things through. You can have ideas. Like, all of that stuff is great. But what I don't want it to do is to make you afraid to come up with, hey, I just have a problem. Like, cool. Then let's brainstorm that together. Like, that's our job to help you figure out, like, hey, within the constraints of what we can and cannot do here, how do we fix that problem? Yeah. So I think, well, now that you just said that out loud, I feel like we're, this is different when we were talking about it before the podcast. So I believe that as an employee, yes, you should be able and hopefully willing to go to your boss with a problem. However, I don't necessarily expect people to have a solution because I do agree with Jesse there in that you really, I, and this is one thing that I totally learned. I like look back at some of the things that I was bringing up to my bosses before and just cringe at like how I was saying things and what I was bringing up and my expectations of change was just ridiculous because now I can see on the other side, there's so many things to consider with even making one small implementation or change, which is partly why at a big organization, that just gets infinitely bigger, even at a relatively, well, I'm not even going to call a small, but like mid-level orthopedic or outpatient practice, like 
one change does, we have to think about who it affects. Do we have time to train? You know, how can we make this fair? All does kinds of stuff. Does it cost anymore? Is it fair to the rest of the employees? Is it good for patients? Is I mean, there's like so What is so the long-term many... effect of all that stuff? Yeah. And you guys don't necessarily think about all that. However, what I do want to distinguish in communication with your boss is a complaint versus bringing a problem and having thought thoroughly about what is the actual problem here? What is the common denominator? What's the underpinning? What's the actual problem? If you're having, if Jackie at the front desk is bothering you, right? It's not just like Jackie's a bitch. It's that, hey, like actually when Jackie puts somebody on my schedule and doesn't communicate with that with me, then I don't know what I'm doing with that time. I've looked at the schedule in the morning, for instance, and now how are we going to better communicate about changes to the schedule, not just Jackie's annoying, right? So I feel like that's the biggest difference with communication with a boss. I don't necessarily expect or want somebody to come up with an actual solution because that's actually more annoying for everybody because you think then you've come up with a solution. Now we're going to have to shoot down your solution and diminish your problem all at the same time. But I do think that thinking thoroughly about the problem and what might be the underlying bigger picture thing, can you find anything else where we can kill two birds with one stone on do we have any other front desk PT communication problem in this Jackie example? that is also indicative of a bigger problem. Now that is something where I would be like, yeah, actually, wow, you have really thought this through. And yeah, that does require, you know, me as the boss to think about what are all the issues here? Who are the players? And how are we going to fix this? And do I see it too? And is this news to me? And all of the different things that are coming up with that. So that's where, Jesse, I think that you and I can like have common ground on. We don't necessarily require a solution, but I do want thoughtfulness to bringing up a complaint. Not a complaint, oh, a problem. Me, a, yeah, bringing up a problem. Yeah, and this goes back, we should do a whole podcast on like what the difference is between a problem and a complaint. But one of the best definitions I think I've heard is a problem is if you need to be able to answer the question, what is somebody doing or not doing that is creating this issue? Because if it's not that, it's a complaint. Jackie's a bitch is a complaint. Yeah, or Jackie annoyed me. Jackie is not letting me know when an evaluation is on my schedule and I'm not able to prepare for. That is a problem. And those are two very different things, even though it kind of feels like the same thing sometimes. So the way that you phrase that is really important. I want to hit a couple of other things, but I think the biggest thing that we talked about here is just being self-aware and trying to actually identify what the issue is that is bothering you and really getting to the root of that and asking yourself a couple of questions like why, just like you would with a patient. Why is that? What's bothering me about that? Is there something that I can do about that instead of just being like, man, I just don't feel happy at work. Yeah. And then also maybe taking it even one step further to be like, is, and the answer might be no. But is there something else going on in my life outside of work that might be making this work thing a little bit more of an issue yes. right now, right? And is it really that there's this problem or is it that I'm having kind of a shit week and this is the you know third time that something's happened and... Yeah, I really can't handle it versus is it truly a like fundamental issue of your happiness at your job 
that's what I mean. Really, that's like kind of some real talk. Um, yes, is Becky at the front desk really being a bitch? And it did it just happen to be the week that your boyfriend broke up with you, and that you had to pay your taxes, and that you got in a big fight with your parents? And is it that, or is it is it something going on outside of work? I think that's a really great point too, Nicole. I think a lot of times, I think especially we all want to work at a place that we care about, that we feel empowered, that we have a sense of mission. But at the end of the day, like your work, if you're not happy personally, I think a lot of people just turn and blame work for that. Oh, if only I didn't have to work there. Oh, if only I didn't have to work that many hours. Oh, if only I didn't have to do some of these things. And it's like, again, that's so passive. It's like, well, we all do have to work. Like, let's just be real about that. That is a fact of life. Uh, for 99% of us, right? If you've got a trust fund, you're probably not listening to this podcast. So we have to work. We have to do our best to enjoy it. But we also can't sit there and ascribe all of our feelings and negative emotions to work. Like, oh, if I could just be on a beach in Bali doing yoga for three hours a day, I wouldn't be happier. Well, no shit. <laughs> like, that sounds pretty awesome, right? But we can't really do that. So we have to work within the actual constraints of what we're talking about. So... A couple of other just kind of practical things I want to get to, like quick hitters. Make connections with your coworkers and don't put it on your boss to like force that to happen. I think that was one of our frustrations and something that we kind of learned as we were starting Public Sanity and hiring and growing. Like there was an expectation from some of our employees like that we were going to be the ones like the party planning committee. And A, that's not 100% our personality at all. B, it's also, when you guys are thinking about that, it makes it a little weird. If we organize something, it's like, well, your bosses are there. Like, that becomes a very, you know, a certain type of event. And it can still be super fun. It can be everything else. But it's not like, oh, going to happy hour and bitching about your boss because we're there and we're paying for your drinks. So that's going to be a different kind of thing. But I think everybody at our clinic got happier when they realized, like, they're going to need to take that responsibility of creating a bond and connection with your coworkers. that's not necessarily the business's job to do that. And anything we do do in that arena is kind of a bonus. Yeah, I think that, you know, one thing I do think that we got better at is just communicating that like, hey, we are going to do a couple of things a year that are just totally fun off the cuff, like go to the Sawdust Festival, go to, I don't know, the Our bar company retreat and yeah. a couple of like dinners that we take. You know, we, we try to do something fairly regularly, but at the end of the day, we're not taking everybody out for drinks every Friday night and you wouldn't want us to do that because then yeah. it also becomes a little bit of something where we feel bad because you might not want to come and hang out with your coworkers and it becomes like a thing where you feel obligated to. Yeah, you mean your bosses. So... Right. If you are don't feel necessarily obligated to to ask your boss to join you, sometimes we don't want to go. <laughs> right. Because it, it, we have to be on and it, it makes it like Jesse was saying, like a work thing versus just like a hangout thing. So make that a priority to get to know your coworkers on outside of work. Even if you don't have to be friends with them, you just have to get to know them. It's harder to get mad at Janice if you just had Janice and you guys just went out to dinner one time after work. It doesn't have to be like your best friends, but it helps to get to know people. There's a lot of actually social science research that supports what you're saying there, Nicole, that unless you actively detest somebody... Spending more time with people creates more connection with people. You're going to like people more if you spend more time with them. 
unless they happen to chew the wrong way or something <laughs> else like that. But honestly, like that spending that extra time and getting to know people outside of work can be make your work day and everything very much more enjoyable. And it's kind of fun for us to come in on Monday and we're hanging out in our lunchroom or out by the fountain where we eat lunch and you know everybody's talking about what they did that weekend and they know each other's friends and like that's that's a fun environment that is not the employer's responsibility to create, but that's something that you can do and actually make your job work for you. A couple other little ones here. I just think taking time off when it's necessary is a big one. And as employers, like we have no problem. Like you have time off built in. Like that's why we have that for you. So, you know, some of our people are kind of aware that, man, I need a little bit of a three-day weekend once a month. Great. Take off every fourth Friday. Like, that's great if that's what you need for your mental health. And that's just all about, again, self-awareness. What does that look like for you? What recharges your batteries? And then don't take that time off and go do something that doesn't recharge your batteries and come back on Monday and feel worse. It's <laughs> a whole other thing, right? But I think a lot of what we're coming to comes back to self-awareness. I think hopefully that you guys are in positions where there are opportunities for challenges or growth. But if there's not, then you need to create that for yourself if it's not a position you're going to be leaving. Yeah, this is actually something that I had to do quite a bit when I was starting off the pelvic health program by myself. Now, I happen to have a lot of coworkers, but I was relatively secluded from them because I was in my private treatment room and I didn't have lunch at the same time that they did. And I was doing different types of charting than they were, but you know, all of this different stuff that made it so that it was, I wasn't actually as integrated as part of the group as I thought it was going to be. And so that I'm not necessarily charting next to somebody that I can like bounce an idea off of. And even if I did, they wouldn't know shit about pelvic floor. So it's like, what can you do to create those challenges for yourself or things that make the job fun? I'm going to find out. And the next ones we're going to talk about is connecting with your patients. So I'm going to find out what everybody's doing this weekend for for fun. Well, I'm going to see what everybody's watching on TV, right? So in, in that way, you can kind of use it clinically too, because I'm never asking an idle question in clinical practice. But if you can make little games, ga- like gamify a little bit your clinical care, a little bit of your coworkers, or make a point to, if you're like the only staff PT, make a point to like get outside your discipline or eat lunch in an area that might have more people that you can connect with in a office park or something like that. There is, you might have to take a little bit of initiative and actually do some of that stuff for yourself. That's the big takeaway is the initiative side of it. I love what you also said, Nicole, about Like pelvic rehab is inherently a little bit more of a secluded profession than other physical therapy things. You're not in a big gym. You're not yelling at your friend across the thing as they're working on somebody and you're working on somebody and you got an aide coming around like you. It's you and the patient in a private treatment room, hopefully for an hour. And that's it. And you might not. I mean, we have days where, you know, schedules are a little bit off. You might go through most of the day and not see coworkers. And I think that's another thing where if you can, I think one of the things you wanted to talk about, Nicole, is just making it about patience. And even if, even in the worst work situation, you're still in a private treatment room with patients for eight hours a day, like that's the primary thing. Like if we really broke down what you're doing during your time, if you're an insurance practice, you probably have a big chunk of that that's documenting 
but the rest of it is actual patient care. And if you're in a cash practice, it's 95% patient care, like of your day, of the pie chart of your day, 95% is patient care. So you better enjoy that. And if you want to lean into that, and even if that 5% of you interacting with your boss or Becky at the front or whoever it is, is really annoying to you, that still means 95% of your day can be fun and awesome if you are investing in your patients, getting them better, and then actually taking pride and joy in the job that you're doing and the transformation you're having in people's lives. Yeah. I mean, and you, you can even gamify your and help your mentorship part, right? If you're going to try to mentor yourself, it's like, cool, I'm going to look up you know, this one hip mobilization. And then now my game is to think about every single person that that might be appropriate for. And I'm going to do it on every single person, find a way to work it in where they don't even know that I'm doing it on every single person, like he, he, he. So it's like, there are ways to make that job more fun throughout your day. And I think this also comes back to at the end of all of this, I think we're talking about taking initiative about really taking control of your mindset in your job. If you've made the decision that you want to be there for whatever reasons, compensation, for student loan stuff, for loyalty to the people who are running it because it's the only gig in town, whatever that is, at the point where you're there, you might as well enjoy it as much as you can. And we have so much control over that. Instead of focusing on the negative stuff, can we shift our focus to how the job is working for us? And on the business side, you guys have heard us like, hey, you need to make your business work for you. If you guys are working for someone else, you need to make your job work for you. And shifting focus to all the things that you actually like about it and doing your best to mitigate the things that you don't can really transform the same job into something that you actually enjoy doing or at least don't actively hate. You're not coming home and venting for a couple hours every night. Yeah. And then the other thing that that does is if you actively take this role on, then if you even then, you know that you're taking that initiative. And even if and you're also so and you're giving your employer basically a chance to hang themselves if if that really is the problem, right? That's and this a is a negative way to look at it. Well, honestly, like this is what I did, you know, basically at Hogue and the next place that I worked was, you know, you get to a point where it's like, I've done the work myself. I've really tried. I've brought you and communicated with you my challenges and willing to work with you. I'm happy most of the time, but if then you continue to run into the same problem, then you can now have identified Maybe that trigger that it is going to say, like, actually, I don't want to work in a place that feels high anxiety because my boss doesn't know how to manage her emotions. Like, that is one of the big reasons why I left the middle place right before I opened Pelvic Sanity. It's like, I'm doing everything that I can to bring sanity back into this clinic, like, at some point, like I've given the opportunity for change and it's not being met. And now my needs aren't being met, but now I've identified what those needs are. And I've had initiative and given the opportunity for somebody to help me help myself. And then when that is consistently not met, now it's game time to make a decision on do I actually need to make a change in my life to get away from this issue? Yeah, where you can feel good and feel confident that you put into that job everything that you could have. You did what you could to make it work. And at the point where it still isn't working, that you know that you did what you could, you can leave confidently. 
It's not that you left something on the table. It's not that, you know, you're looking back three jobs later and regretting what you did or didn't do there. It's like, man, at the end of the day, we're spending one third, basically, for most of us, of our lives at work. We should enjoy that as much as humanly possible. And that's what I want for each and every one of you guys listening to this podcast. And if that means working for somebody, then make that job work for you. Find the things that you love about it. Focus more on the things that are going right than the things that are going wrong. Do your best to address and mitigate the things that are wrong or the things that are imperfect, I should say, because they aren't wrong. They're just part of the pros and cons of working at any place. And recognize the grass isn't always greener, especially if you haven't done the self-examination to figure out, like, why am I actually not feeling happy in this position? Because I can, I can just promise you, and we've seen it from people who are moving here. We've seen it in you guys' stories and talking to Nicole. Like, it's not going to be, if you haven't done that work, the next place is not going to be the magic solution to what your problem is. Totally. I 100% agree. So that's a little tough love for y'all. But I hope that you can see that it does come from a place of love. I think that I'm such a big believer that the more self-aware, the more introspective that we are personally and professionally, the better people that we are, the better people that we are, the better clinicians we are. And especially, I say this all the time, but especially in our field where we are helping people at some of the lowest points in their lives, right? No one wants a pelvic floor dysfunction issue. Pelvic floor issues are neurologically wired for us to ramp up our nervous systems. If that is something that we've chosen as a profession to be helping people at, then we have to do our own work to get make sure that we are as settled and as happy as possible in our current position. And even if it's not the perfect place, because no place is, then this podcast has been, what can you do to make the job right for you right now? Yes. And this I think is ripe. Thank you guys so much for asking this question. I love that we got to talk through this. If this brings up some thoughts for you, we would love to hear about what's going on at your work. And is this something that you can overcome or mitigate? Or is this a gots-to-go situation? Uh, It could be either. But we would love to hear about what you love and don't love about where you work. Any questions you have about whether your employer is being crazy or whether they are right on and you are the one having outsized expectations. (laughs) Uh, Careful asking those questions because you might get a more honest answer from us than you want. But we always, guys, want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise.